This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Italy has been a source of focus in Europe due to some of the rhetoric surrounding whether to stay involved with the euro and the EU or not. Recently, Italy's president, Sergio Mattarella, rejected the nomination of Paolo Savona for economics minister because of his Eurosceptic approach, according to reporting. That nomination had come from two rival parties, but it sets up what could be very testy elections in the next several months that some have called a, quote, true referendum, end quote. Eric Jones, professor of European studies at international political economy at Johns Hopkins University, joins us on the phone. He's also director of European and Eurasian studies. Also joining us uh, on the phone is uh, Frederica Bindi, who is a senior fellow at the Center for Transatlantic Relations at Johns Hopkins University, as well as a professor of political science at the University of Rome, Tor Vergata. Uh, Great to have them both with us today. Eric, great to talk to you again. Thank you, sir. Oh, great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Federica, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, So, Frederica, give us the state of what is going on in Italy right now. We're obviously seeing it be uh, one of the top news items here in the United States today, and it's having an impact on the markets here in the U.S. Okay. And I'll try as brief as possible. So, in March, there were elections. And there was no party uh, or coalition which alone could have a majority in parliament. In Italy, it's needed to have the, the parliament to express a positive vote of confidence for any executive to start ruling. And uh, there were several avenues that could be followed. And eventually, the president decided to... Uh, give the mandate to the Farsight Movement and Lega North, which did not run together in a coalition, and asked them to form a government. And uh, they did negotiate the program and uh, a, a prime minister and a group of, of ministers. But eventually Mattarella rejected the economy minister, minister Savona, and then with that the prime minister designated resigned, uh, leading to the current situation, and the president to name someone else for a caretaker government, which will have no majority in parliament, or possibly not even almost any votes, and which will likely bring the country to elections in the early fall. Eric, uh, this obviously could have uh, quite a significant impact uh, across Europe uh, over the next several months uh, if, in fact, this continues to play out this way, correct? Oh, I I think it's already having a significant impact. I mean, if you were to look at the the markets right now, what you would see is that the bond markets are already showing – that money is moving out of Europe and going somewhere else. We're not quite sure whether it's all going to the United States or or if it's going to other countries, but it's certainly going out of sovereign debt instruments, and not just from Italy, which suggests that the problem is is spreading across the Eurozone as a whole. It's seen in many respects as a a problem for Europe as a whole because of the sheer size of the Italian economy. What is the greatest concern that, that you are hearing from some Italians right now for being part of the EU or being tied to the euro, Eric? Well, I, 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 you know, 
I think what people in Italy are expressing frustration about is about the sense of being abandoned in the face of a large migration problem that is really for Europe as a whole to resolve and not just for Italy. Yeah. And they're frustrated about slow growth. But but the one thing I would emphasize is that there's not a widespread movement in Italy either to leave the European Union or to leave the euro. And indeed, these were not issues that the two parties that tried to form a government campaigned on last February and March. So these are issues that came up after the campaign and that crystallized last weekend. But I wouldn't say they represent okay. a groundswell of anti-European opinion. Right, because as you mentioned, uh, the issues surrounding immigration have been there, you know, for many months now, and we've heard the stories uh, of of uh, immigrants landing landing on the uh, on variety of beaches across southern Europe over the last several months, and it has just been a wave of people that have come into that part of the world right now. That's correct. And the wave the wave actually crested, I would say, last July and, and, and has slowed down considerably since then. Nevertheless, in Italy and in other parts of Europe, they're still trying to absorb the large number of people that arrived before that. And, and, and the pressure has been fairly, fairly consistent. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Eric Jones of uh, Johns Hopkins University joining us, as well as Frederica Bindi of Johns Hopkins. Your comments again at 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Frederica, it seems like from some of the reporting that I'm seeing that this is truly a divide in terms of the, the numbers of people or the side of people that believe that having an attachment to Europe and figuring out some of these issues is incredibly important, yet others feel, and as Eric kind of alluded to, maybe some of this in the, in the most recent past, uh, that a relationship with Europe may not be the best thing at this point. It's, it's not, as Eric said, it's not the relation with Europe. And even the so-called plan B to leave the euro, which was circulated by a website recently, takes great care in saying that by, by exiting the euro, Italy would not leave the European Union. Uh, so it's, it's, two, it's two different things. And here there is an issue that the Southern Europeans have generally felt that uh, Germany, in particular, has been, has been profiting of the crisis, of the economic crisis, buying several assets rather than helping. And a number of declarations that were that came out from uh, some Nordic ministers, like the Dutch uh, minister Dusenberg, when he was uh, when he was uh, the president of the Eurogroup, saying that uh, the Southerners were spending all the money on wine and women, or the just recent declaration of a few minutes ago of Commissioner Ottinger saying that uh, the markets will teach Italians how to to vote are very are very. Uh, unhappy and very unhelpful in this situation because it creates a divide which really, as Alex said, didn't exist. I mean, it was marginal in the Italian debate. One of the uh, people that is being uh, talked about now in this story, Federica, is a gentleman by the name of Carlo Cotarelli, who I guess uh, President Mattarella has uh, has put in play to kind of form this government. 
uh, if he can, uh, in the wake of the uh, refusal on the nomination of, of Mr. Savona, correct? Yeah, that's correct. No, no, yeah, correct. Not, not in the case of Mr. Savona, but he's been pre- named prime minister designate. <clears throat> and his importance to this whole process becomes what in your mind? And, and for background, he used to work with the IMF, correct? The International Monetary Fund? Yeah, he was an official with the IMF, and it's uh, and then he was called by then Prime Minister Lijoleta to elaborate a plan on how to cut spending. And if I have to be sincere, it's yet another mistake uh, by the presidency of, of the Republic. I mean, Potarelli is a nice person, generally competent, certainly not a high-living international figure, and most of all, represent in the imaginarium everything that the the Lega North and and the five star movements are 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 fighting against. So I could not think of the worst choice for a prime minister designate in this given moment. Eric, your thoughts? Well I think I think Federica has put her finger on it. I mean uh, Carlo Cotarelli is is supremely qualified to come in as a technical prime minister, technical prime minister, in other words, one without a political mandate to help steer Italy through a crisis, except for in one situation, which is when the crisis is the revolt of a group of populists who don't like technical prime ministers. So they brought in a guy who actually is the human personification of everything that the Lega Nord and the Five Star Movement claim to be against. That said, the hope was that it would be very reassuring to the markets that Cotarelli would come in and bring a team of experts with him who could stabilize the situation and buy Italy time to go back to the polls. The initial re- market reaction this morning was very strong and very negative, but it has calmed down as we've approached the moment, which is in about 15 minutes, when Cotarelli will go back to the president of the republic and present his government. So, so there, may, there are some signs that the market may be calming a bit. Uh, and we can only hope that that's what happened. Now, from the political side, Eric, you both have mentioned these these two other parties, the Five Star Movement and uh, the League or the League of Nord. Uh, and uh, these were the parties that uh, they had put forth uh, the original idea of Mr. Savona for uh, uh, for finance minister, uh, correct, correct? That's correct. And, and the irony there is that these are both parties that claim to be against these technical appointments. And yet Savona was not elected to parliament. He's not a political figure. And when the president of the republic, Sergio Mattarella, said to these two political parties, please put instead a finance minister who is a political force, someone who's been elected into the parliament, they pushed back and said, no, we want this technical economist instead, which was a big contradiction on their side. 844-942-7866 is the number uh, to join us with your comments or questions. We are joined by Eric Jones of uh, Johns Hopkins University, as well as Frederica Bindi of uh, Johns Hopkins, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess, Eric, maybe it's part and parcel with what we're seeing across Europe, but a lot of the reporting, and, and I think uh, both of you are kind of trying to maybe not agree with this opinion, is that they are trying to link what is potentially going to happen in Italy with what we are seeing in the U.K. with Brexit. 
is that is that a fair assessment or one that probably should not be brought forward? Well, I think you know, I think it all hinges on on who you think they are, Dan. Because right. the, the 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 fact is that the the guys at Five Star, the leadership, and particularly the guys at the leadership of the Lega, would love to make that parallel because they've been trying to sell this argument, this anti-European argument. For years and unsuccessfully, but if they could convince everybody that this is the time when they should really stand up, and the, the leader of the Five Star Movement, Luigi Di Maio, has said on the 2nd of June, everybody should go out on the piazza with their national flag to show their patriotism against this European imposition. So if they could finally get people to believe this argument, they hope to get a Brexit-like result for Italy. But so far, it's still not getting traction. Frederica? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with uh, with Eric. Uh, it's the, the argument so far has been unsuccessful, and and Brexit also dramatically shows the UK mistake. I mean, they sold it as something that would give more money, more economic possibility to the UK, and disprove the country. So, if all things, Brexit cooled down the euro request, but because now because of the mistakes that have been done. Uh, along the way, now they can politicize the issue. They can, they can claim that you know these strong powers are deciding for for Italy. We are beyond the rationality at this point, and and I fear the debate is going to get uglier and uglier uh, until the new elections. And uh, we have to be see to see what electoral law will be used. What uh, what uh, coalitions would be formed, but it's going to be really ugly, and we really didn't need that. And so what do you think ends up potentially being the path that this is going to going to follow? And again, obviously, some of these are, are, are suppositions at this point, Frederica, but it seems like that there is a, a significant concern by many people in Italy about where this might be headed. Well, there is simulation circulating today. If ever five-star movement and Liga create an alliance, an electoral alliance, they will get every single seat except two or three in the upper north and two or three uh, in, in, in Tuscany. And everything else mm-hmm. will go to them. So that is as dramatic as it can. But I think the major mistake in all this has been to push five, the Five Star Movement and Lega North together. They were not together. Right. And the things that unite them, it's the protest against the system, the protest against the euro. And the, thus a, a door has been opened, and we really don't know where it's going to lead. Eric? I think, I, I think Federica is right. We really don't know where this is going to lead. And, and unfortunately, I'm not sure that the timing is going to be determined by what happens in politics. We have, a, we have a, a fairly clear calendar of how things could unfold in the political domain. But what we don't know is how things are going to unfold and how quickly in the markets. And, 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 and this is where I think it might be worth decoding some of Federica's comments and my own comments about the, the designated new prime minister. There's a real risk that if pressure increases enough in the markets, that this government will have to ask for assistance from the European Union. And that would transform a non-issue, which is EU membership, into a real issue. Because if you get help from the European Union, the European Union then puts conditions for its assistance on top of that. And and that would stabilize the situation economically, but politically make it much more challenging.
Well, th- then give us a sense of of what do you think the relationship between Italy and, and and the European Union probably should be, because as you kind of alluded to, this has been something that has popped up a couple of times now in the last uh, two years or so, is the concern by people of a country of too much control by the EU or too much control by Germany, mm-hmm. you know, some of the lead forces within the EU right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so Italy is a big country, and Italy is a proud country, and it's a founding member of the European Union. And what it, what Italy wants and what Italian wants is to have some influence on Europe's destination. And they've always had that, but haven't really felt that way. And what we were trying to avoid, and I say this not as an analyst, but as somebody who, who actually lives here and is concerned about this, what we're trying to avoid is a situation where Europeans make unfortunate comments that suggest that Italy is a second-class citizen, because that's exactly what Italians fear when they look at the European Union as a whole. And that comment that Federica alluded to earlier by Günther Oettinger, the budget commissioner at the European Commission um, that that markets are going to teach how Italians how to vote is really patronizing and plays right into the hands of Italy's populist movements. Frederica, yeah, no, I completely subscribe that. I give you another example. For instance, uh, there was a conference on Libya in in France, which the Italians were pretty really unhappy with because they they see Libya as their own background, as their own backyard, and it couldn't come at the worst moment. So the for, as Eric says, for a number of reasons, Italy hasn't been able to, to have an influence in the EU as it used in the past. Lots of these, lots of these uh, reasons are endogenous, I'm not saying, but uh, it, it doesn't help. And, uh, and Macron, in this picture, it's, it's making it even worse because it sells his, his policies as being pro-European, while in fact, especially in foreign policy, his goal is this foreign policy is really a list foreign policy that puts France in the center. So there are all sorts of speculations circulating that, you know, after all, Germany and Italy would be happy if Italy dropped out because then there would be no counterbalance anymore. So there is a lot of unhappiness right. in the way the European Union has has been perceived lately. There are... The, and and comment the comment as the one I just mentioned. It's really what you should not do if you want to help the situation. Well, Eric, there there was interesting comments uh, in the last twenty four hours here in the United States uh, by George Soros, the billionaire, uh, who basically came out and said that. Uh, and the the, the quote is. Uh, making its way across a lot of media outlets right now, saying that the European Union is in an existential crisis right now. Uh, One, do you agree with that? Well, I I think the European Union is facing the dilemma that there are certain institutions that needed to be built out to prevent another crisis from recurring. These institutions that would stabilize European banks, and let's not kid ourselves that Italian banks are under incredible pressure right now in the markets. So if Europe had built out those institutions, that pressure would have been significantly mitigated. And so in that sense, there's a good call for more European action. Whether the European Union is going to explode in some dramatic sense, I think, would be exaggerated. But it doesn't help when a guru in the markets basically gives advice to investors that they should get out. Well, Federica, part of that that comment by Mr. Soros, he says that everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. So do you agree with him or not? 
I, I do agree that everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And uh, to what Erika said, I would also add one further element that if you read, for instance, the article that appeared on the Spiegel, they attack Draghi as well. So on the background of, that, of everything, there is also the battle starting for the next president of the European Central Bank. Right. And Spiegel blames what happened on, on Draghi, which, which is utterly not true. Uh, Draghi really saved the Eurozone. But what they say is that Draghi's policies allowed Italy to overspend money that they didn't have. And uh, and so and, and Soros is certainly part in, of that uh, of that whole, you know, political game in the sense that he has an interest as a, on on whoever we go on the European Central Bank. So there are lots of um, other tables, other fights that are fought in in the backdrop of Italian crisis. We are joined on the phone by Frederica Bindi of uh, Johns Hopkins University and also the University of Rome. Eric Jones from uh, Johns Hopkins as well. Joining us, uh, your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Eric, I find it interesting. I mean, obviously there are so many factors, as you both have said, that still need to play out. But if we get to snap elections then seemingly it's it could be a lot of doors potentially opening up and really not knowing which way to go, correct? I think that's absolutely right. And the timing of elections is also going to be important. Now, the rule in Italy is that when you dissolve the parliament, you have to hold elections within 70 days. Right. If this new incoming government doesn't get in quickly and get stabilized, they could dissolve parliament and put us back into elections by late August or early September, which would be unprecedented. Italians would show up in fewer numbers, and no one can predict what the electoral outcome would be in that context. So we're really looking at the polling data to try to understand how these parties are going to fare once that contest takes place. Well, Federica, what specifically, if if that were to happen, and as Eric suggested, the numbers would be the numbers of voting people would be so low. What is it that would be driving that number to be that low potentially? Well, August is a it's holiday. Think of 4th of July in the U.S. Sure. It's August in Italy. And as I said, it would be unprecedented. And people may be tempted to, you know, we're on holiday, we're not going to vote. So that, as I said, would hugely influence the vote. The irony in all this is that we are now clinging our hopes on Berlusconi, in a way, after 20 years. Yeah. And in hoping that Berlusconi will 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 manage in reigning in uh, Salvini and keeping into the right wing in the center right coalitions rather than in a coalition with with five stars movement. So it's for Italians it's sort of like you, you never imagined that. Great to have you both with us today. Thank you, Eric. Thank, Thank you, you, Federica. Thank, Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.